This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Oh, hey, Jeff, I didn't see you there. It's Shake Them Ropes, episode 328. My name is Chris Novembrino. Joining me, as always, on Shake Them Ropes is Jeff Hawkins. Jeff, I'm working on some arpeggios. How you doing? Are, are... <laughs> They're trickier than they look. They're much they trickier are... than they look. They are. They are. Arpeggios are tricky on almost any instrument, but... Uh... Elias has moved on. He's actually gotten better in his guitar playing since getting moved up. You know uh, what he's I, really good at? He's really good at playing bad for comedic effect. Yes. Yes. Th- it's that's a hard. fine yeah, it's a fine art on the instrument. You have to be familiar enough at it to get comedic sounds out of it while still looking like you're actually trying to do the thing. And he, he does a very good job at it. I, I was howling during a lot of that. I thought him as Greek chorus for the show was a brilliant idea, and then to end it on the RKO, I thought that was one of the better through lines they've had on a pay-per-view. Absolutely, absolutely. And the the whole part at the end where he's like, well, I'm done now. I've actually finished my performance, which I was like, whoa, he never gets to this part of it. And then, of course, he gets the RKO at the end. No, I I enjoyed that, but there was a lot of other stuff on Fastlane here that... uh, was reminiscent of uh, WCW, kind of late era, a little bit. A uh, quick plug for me. I did the post show for Fastlane over at Fightful. Those are my hot takes. These are more my more tepid, measured, contextual through the eyes of Raw and SmackDown takes this week, Chris. Is there um, anything in the news section of the show that we sometimes have that you want to hit here? Do you want to talk about Conor McGregor getting arrested? No, because I find him a clown, but I will mention that uh, they announced that Harlem Heat is uh, getting inducted in the WWE Hall of Fame. <laughs> Certain people who run other Hall of Fames dismissed it a little bit too harshly for my taste. Look, there's two things. I, Harlem Heat was a good but not spectacular tag team. I always enjoyed them. They're kind of brawlers. Um, so they never would get over with the work rate types of guys, but they were pretty popular in WCW too. I think that gets underappreciated. They yeah. had a real fan base. Vince thinks of himself as a civil rights pioneer, and also their name is Harlem Heat, and the show is in New York City. Okay, let's not overthink this. Nobody brought up the Harlem New York City connection I've heard in any of you know, your usual pundits. I think because you so heavily associate Booker T with Houston. <laughs> yes, that's just it. it you do. You, they're, they're both from Texas. Look, I, I always thought they, you know what they really had to me in terms of what I really liked about Harlem Heat is they always had the aura of menace 
which is what I want in a tag team. I thought they were good as heels, and then yeah. I thought later on when they became babyfaces, that team actually worked. They looked tough. You had to take them seriously. They were a good heel tag team. They were very, very important for WCW's tag team division, 1995, 1996, 1997, all the way up until Stevie Ray went and joined the NWO. But that allowed for Booker T to get his shine. And then when they reunited later on at the tail end of WCW, they were popular again. I hated what they did with uh, Colonel Parker because that was just cheap, racist, you know, clickbait type stuff. Sherry was a little bit better, but not much. But I always liked them as a team. I, I never had any problem with them. You know what? They could have brawls with guys like the Nasty Boys or the Steiners. I didn't need, you know, I didn't, you know, they weren't exactly strong style but they weren't exactly just dancing around doing moves either so i mean i it's this the wwe hall of fame is part of the entertainment show i'm not i don't i don't get caught up in purity contests and i think wrestling observers hall of fame is a little bit too strict and also gamed in some way for my taste so i i didn't have a problem with you know, just being happy for Stevie Ray to get a moment out there when he's kind of been overshadowed by Booker T all these years. The Hall of Fame is really more of a Hall of Significance. And if you're looking and trying to tell the story of WCW, which is now part of WWE's history as well, you have to have the Harlem Heat in there. They're not like disorderly conduct or high voltage. This is a very important team in WCW's history. It's a work sport for God's sake. What, what are we Wait, doing? It is? Trying, what are we doing trying to compare it? You know, well, you know, this guy's on base percentage wasn't, you know, you can't do that in pro wrestling. Promoters decide who's going to be the stars. So, you know what? Promoters also get to decide who gets to go in their halls of fame. There you go. Get over it. Sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm so cranky after that SmackDown that we're going live right after SmackDown pretty much. I like doing this to him so that I can <sighs> just get him right at his maximum saltiness. Do you want to start from SmackDown and work our way back to Fastlane or should we go in sequential order? No, I, I want to go into, I want to go through Fastlane and kind of do it through the spectrum of Raw and SmackDown at the same time if I, if if I possibly can, we'll hit anything I miss on Raw and SmackDown afterwards. Okay, so what skeleton would you like to work through? Should we start with Raw then? Uh, no, I want to work through Fastlane. Oh, okay, okay. I thought you wanted to work through Fastlane through the skeleton of Raw. I see. Well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna bring in the Raw. No, no, I I, I now, see. So. No, no, different different skeleton, different skeleton. <laughs> there are many skeletons in this closet. Oh, oh, oh. Of mine, I don't. I don't even really know where that's going. So the pre-show, I missed the pre-show, Jeff. Anything interesting of note to you happen on the pre-show? Um, they did set up the AJ Styles Randy Orton confrontation, which I thought was good, and the iconics are entertaining. Uh, the tag match between New Day and and Nakamura and Rusev was was good. It wasn't anything spectacular, but it was good. Um, I like the establishment of Big E and Xavier as kind of really having Kofi's back here. They're they're just going to yeah. be support. They're, I don't. There's not going to be some like Big E turn or anything before Mania at least. Everything about their interaction was great. I mean, they did the uh, they they did, they were doing an interview with Kevin Owens, and uh, a PA said, "Hey, Vince wants to see you about the championship match." 
And and Kofi basically told Kevin Owens, hey, I got no hard feelings against you. This isn't your fault. I thought that was a nice touch, too. Kofi is is pure baby here. He's not a op- opportunist. He's not, you know, looking to shade someone and complain about it being unfair. He's just he's just kind of taking it, you know, on the chin and you know he's upset about it. He's going to break at some point and I think it's going to be really gratifying. Like he he's going to be a house on fire one of these weeks. There'll be a point where he finally snaps, I think. I think that moment passed. I think they should have done it earlier, but, but I agree. You know, I, I agree. Oh. I think we're still building to that. I think that's where the structure is going. With the five-person gauntlet that he's facing here next week. But before that, we have the Miz and Shane McMahon versus the Usos to try to get the tag team championships back. I actually really enjoyed this match, Jeff. I was not expecting a lot. I thought that Shane looked pretty good by Shane's standards. I liked the mid-air interceptor move that happened late in the match where Shane McMahon hits Jimmy Uso or Jay Uso with a drop kick while they're going for the splash. I thought that looked really cool. And the crowd was very much behind The Miz. Uh, the, the Miz is a babyface is really connecting with people. Wh- where this match went off the rails for me is in the post-match beatdown where mm-hmm. everything was super... That could have been classic. That if the Miz's dad could act at all, that would have made a big difference because he was sitting there like stone faced and not really knowing how to sell any of the action, which was very important for getting over the intensity of the moment. And he was such a distraction from that that it took me out of it. Then we can get into Shane's god awful arm smush against your face triangle thing that he's doing, and then the Miz's biceps smushing against his cheek, and he's got the big eyes, and he's looking at his dad who's not acting the right way. And all of this was just really flat and it had the ability in my mind to be really, really good and it just wasn't. Let me get the good out of the way. I continue to respect Shane McMahon for going out there and almost killing himself on the top turnbuckle every time we have one of these matches. And yes, that intercept, while it only hit you so in the leg, that's still, that's a hard spot to pull off and pull off well. My problem was also in the post-match uh, beatdown, which, by the way, seemed to have put Miz out for this week, which I'm just like... That triangle was devastating. That, that was a traumatizing triangle. Here's, here's what was missing. The heel turn wasn't earned within the framework of the story of the match they told. And I really wanted... Because they were doing a good job. They were, when when Miz lost, because the story is Miz jumps off the top rope outside and he gets a little bit full of himself that he's an aerial daredevil like Shane McMahon and his dad is into this match too, encourages him to go to the top rope to try and hit a move to win the match. Hits a frog splash, or he goes for a frog splash. Usos get the knees up, pins him one, two, three. In the post-match where they're recovering and they're checking to see if everybody's okay, Shane needed to ask what happened. And Miz could have then kind of gone, you know what, I was in the moment and my dad told me to go up to the top rope. And going to the top rope where Miz doesn't belong at all could have been the thing to set Shane off. And that wasn't there. So I just watched the heel turn as, oh, that's something that's happening. 
and I was I was assured on the Fightful show, oh, don't worry, Jeff, on Tuesday they have a chance to clean this all up. You could have given a nice promo about fathers and sons, about trying to please one's father. And they dodged that entirely. This is just about Shane's ego, which doesn't make sense. And they made it about Shane just is tired of people asking him for stuff. What? Look. Miz wasn't asking for anything during this process. If anything. Any story you write. The ending is in the beginning. If you wanted to do that, we could go back, because they even played on this before the promo, you could have gone back to the Best in the World tournament, where he took over for Miz and It could have just been about he's always wanted the trophy entirely to himself. Yes! It would have been as simple as that, and that would have been, that would have been hokey as hell, but it at least makes sense versus... Man, you don't know. People are always asking for stock options and stuff. Screw off. There's been so much like inside the company, behind the curtainy stuff in the dialogue. And some of it, most of it, almost all of it doesn't help. But boy, the stock option stuff, that's got to fly over the audience's head. A large majority. What kid? What kid is sitting there going, Oh, man, they're always asking Shay for stock options. Or thinking, oh, you know what? That employee's <laughs> entitled to stock options, Shane. You're being a real jerk here by saying, oh, I don't want to give you those stock options. I mean, come on. Oh, man, you know, those eight-year-olds are really hooked into George Berrios' quarterly stock calls and asking questions about investment opportunities and how growth is going in India. You know, it's just like, what in the... This is all stuff that matters to Vince, and you can tell in the writing, and you're just like, no, simple, straight-ahead story. He went to the top rope. He doesn't belong there. Shane got mad at that because Shane's been killing himself off the top rope all these times to try and win the match. And then when Miz does it, he's obviously not good at it, so he loses. There you go. (laughs) Oh, I'm so mad. Go to the next match, please. Okay, so after that, we had Elias come out. He made fun of the Miz, and that was very funny. And then we had Asuka versus Mandy Rose in the match that actually really got the WCW antenna up for me here. WCW circa 1998-1999 when things got real janky. Um, oh, I, I don't really have before a... You go, before you, okay. Hold on. Before you go okay. into this, there was something on the pre-show that ties into this as well. All right. Hit me. EC3 comes up to Mandy and I'm going to call her Daria, but it's Sonia. Yeah. Sonia and, and, and Mandy and is, is putting the moves on Mandy and, and Sonia dresses down EC3. And so we have, we have a little uh, tension. It's back between fire and desire. You might say there is both fire and desire with them. Because Mandy desires. And, 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 uh, we get and, it. You know, okay, all right, whatever. Okay. Fine. I was trying to explain <laughs> it. So, Asuka and Mandy have a match. Uh, Jeff, are you off the Mandy train officially after this match? I haven't been on the Mandy train because, <laughs> oddly enough, it's because of the Sonya storyline that's been going back and forth for months and they decided to reheat it again. I've, I've, well, I'm saying I, her as a wrestler. I, I, I thought that no. this was pretty rough. This was. This I was think not she's a good still okay. okay. I think she's still okay, and I think she'll. Cont- I think she. 
need some longer house show matches with skilled people to get a little bit better. But I, I, I still think she has hope. I just think the character is so one-dimensional cringe. And, you know, you're, you're listening to Corey kind of, you know, hey, quiet so I can concentrate kind of thing going, which makes it even creepier. But look, the slipping on the apron spot is clever. But I don't want that in a pay- I want that on a TV show match, not on a pay-per-view match. I think it's and kind then of a the lame interpersonal chemistry stuff between Sonya and Mandy at that point's weird though too, right? Like it, pulling out the kendo dumb. stick, yeah. The the timing is bad because you just had the Miz and Shane break up, so we have another tag team that's feuding right after that. Yeah, it, and now you've twice this. teased this breakup uh, to follow in and weave in SmackDown, and it's like, I think people, actually, I know people are already ready for Mandy to just, you know, betray Sonya. I don't know what we're yeah. waiting for. I, I don't know why we're taking these extra beats. Because they haven't planned it out. Right, no, I, I, I get that. I'm I'm saying from a writing standpoint, I don't understand why we're choosing to kind of keep circling around here. Um... Well, you know what? This goes into almost every storyline on the roster, and it's a point I'm going to bring up in a bit. They have the story. They just don't want to tell it directly, so they they keep throwing these obstacles in the way. And what it does is it ends up diluting the power of the story. And and this is going to be a recurring theme on, on this show, especially when we get to the women's match um, between, you know, with Ronda and whatnot, and also even this Kofi match. They keep, they go, okay, the straight, straight ahead story is there. Okay, what can we do to make it better? Okay, we need to throw all these obstacles in there to keep the interest in there and keep moving and, you know, keep having this fluidness on the show. That's the other thing you notice is nothing had any resonance because nothing had time to breathe. It was always, and they literally said this on Raw at one point. All right, moving on. You know, you'd have a match finish and then you'd have an entrance of a character and then you'd have a vignette and then you'd have a match entrance. And it would just all, you know, it's like an ADD type of situation where it's like you always have to have, you know, something going on because you might lose the audience's attention. And it's a combination of those two things. Back to the match. Sorry, I apologize. Went off on a bit of a tangent there. No, that's quite all right. Before this next match between The Bar and Kofi Kingston, we had a little backstage segment where Kofi Kingston is standing outside of Vince McMahon's door as he has been for the last hour ever since he was told to go and meet with Vince McMahon and wait for Vince McMahon to come and get him. And then the New Day show up and Kofi goes inside. And Vince is like, oh, I've been waiting for you because Vince is now messing with Kofi. And we're eventually going to get the story why Vince hates Kofi. We still don't quite have that yet. I mean, we have Vince's underestimation of Kofi, but we don't really have the, but why do you hate me part of this? And that's clearly uh, something that's going to drop here. Anyways, Vince tells Kofi, you're going to be wrestling next. And I I believe he says that he's going to be in the championship match, right? Like, they tried to retcon this tonight, but the way he said it on the pay-per-view, it was pretty much direct. It wasn't even implicated. It was directly said he was going to be in the title match. Yeah. yeah. No, no, I agree. They, they not only said that. But in the scripting of Kofi's excuse for why he was outside the office, he says, I've been waiting out here for an hour. 
they never brought up that he was told to wait out there by Vince right. on the inside. So, so I just, I literally asked this. I go, did he ever say he knocked on the door to go in? Yes. At any point? That was strange to me. I thought that that was actually Vince messing with Kofi. And so then Kofi goes down to the ring and the match, actually the ring announcer going further to this. I, I, You know, if they wanted to do the thing where Vince was being weaselly with the words and Kofi wasn't listening too closely, that would have been fine. Um, but that's actually not, they didn't say the right words in order for that story to actually make sense here. Uh, and so then out come the bar. And they have a two-on-one match against Kofi Kingston, which Kofi loses in about five minutes, but not before losing the audience here to a this-is-boring chant, um, which was not necessarily a great start. Crowd perked up a little bit when uh, Nakamura and Rusev came down and then the New Day came down to make the save here, but uh, I I didn't think that this was a great note in the Kofi Mania story. No, because it made him look dumb. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you why. Because nobody ever said, if you lose this match, you lose your chance. He should have just left. He said, screw this. I'm not I'm not playing your game. I'm done. Instead, we have to watch him get beat down. Here's the other thing that just bothers the hell out of me. This was the point I was bringing up earlier. You have the crowd. This crowd is hotter for Kobe than they've ever been in his entire career. You did it. You did what you set out to do. Now just tell the story. Keep the guys away from each other and build the story. You didn't need, you don't need obstacles because the obstacle was the 11 years. His career has been the obstacle. Exactly. You know what they're doing? This is, this is how I put it uh, the other night. The good, the bad, and the other. That entire movie is setting up to that Mexican standard. And this is also my metaphor for the Ronda Charlotte thing. You've built the story. You've got everybody there. Everybody has motivation. Everybody has a story to do. And you decide, you know what would be good right now? We're going to have every Native American in this territory ride down. And they're going to have to fight them off. And then they're going to get back to the, to the triangle shootout. And then we're going to have the army come in. They're going to have to fight them off. And then here come the British again. Yeah. You could have a great steak with salt and pepper, but no, we're going to give you this barbecue glaze on it with crispy onion strings and blue cheese and a mountain of guacamole and a salad. And it's like sometimes steak is the best. Just simple. You don't need the toppings on it. Just go with the steak. And they can't because they have four weeks of television to fill and they can't figure it out for a live audience because a live audience has now been conditioned to expect every star every week doing the star things. Well, the craziest thing to me about the gauntlet match next week is I think we're really starting to run the risk of cheapening the meaning of the gauntlet match, which used to be a fairly effective device for getting a wrestler who needed some reheating, uh, especially if they're going to be moved into the upper echelons, reheating. I think we've gone to the gauntlet one too many times here. Well, okay, but not only that, we've gone to the reasoning department, which, again, if you're an eight-year-old watching this, who cares if if about the B-plus player crap? Who cares? They don't get that. No, if you're an eight-year-old, that was happening when they were two. I get that. The B-plus player, and Daniel Bryan saying that is, you know, of course, 
3D Daniel Bryan referencing back to his angle in 2013 when he was called the B-plus player by Triple H, but for a child who's nine, they were three then. Maybe they yeah, caught but, up with that on archival television. And, 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 well, no, but it, it's more, again, office politics. And Well, no, having Daniel Bryan say B-plus player is specifically a reference to that. Yeah, no, no, I, I yeah, that that is, and that's the wink and nod to the older fans. But at the same time, overall, this is, again, this is a story of office politics and corporate fealty. And look how loyal, look how loyal Kofi's been this entire time, good sir, which also has a cringy aspect to it, that the racial aspect to this, to this angle, it shouldn't make me as uncomfortable as it does, but it does. It's hard to ignore it when they say guys like me. Yeah, and you sent and yeah. you sent us to India to do your bidding, and it's just like oh, all of it is just. But yeah, no, the gauntlet match. <laughs> he may lose this gauntlet match just to build more heat, and yes. now he, yeah, now, I how think is he going go- to find a way yeah. in? It's like oh. yeah, he's going to lose the gauntlet match next week. I I think that that's almost certain, or. It's all going to be another trap. There isn't actually going to be a gauntlet match next week. Yeah, and you you're doing this story at the same time as you're doing the Becky Lynch has to jump through hoops to get her match story. And it's just Well, that's like also why I guess they kind of cooled off with Stephanie as the management figure in that story. Yeah, I, I See, other thing I'm not understanding all that much. It wasn't more than a month and a half ago. We had all the McMahons out here as baby faces. The realignment of the McMahons and Hunter is a very strong baby face, especially in the context of this Batista feud. Sort of. I will get to the. And now we're just back to all the McMahons, or like the McMahons are mostly heels, except for Stephanie's are maybe probably Steph. Yeah, Stephanie. We don't know about Steph. Yeah, right. Because Stephanie doesn't play endearing very well no and she's been kind of going in both directions throughout the story too yeah so yeah um yeah it's it's weird the mcmahon family being reintroduced as the overarching management storyline who could have seen that being a problem so up next we have the raw tag team champions the revival versus Ricochet and Aleister Black and Chad Gable and Bobby Roode in a match that was, I don't know, like under 10 minutes, but was actually pretty good for what it was. It was just short. It was good for what it was. There, there are two types of these types of three-way tag matches. There's the very choreographed theme park stunt show where, oh, look, this guy is landing a move as soon as this guy flies off at the top and we have your Temple of Doom spots and stuff. And that's what this was. And it was fine. But it's not the kind of match the Revival needs to be in. uh, The Revival need to be in the two-man work on one guy to get heat, stomp him down a bit, hot tag, They need to almost have a strategy going into the match. Like, the first thing they do is they show up and ambush, I don't know, let's say Bobby Roode. And immediately start attacking Bobby Roode's leg before the match starts and kind of leave him a little injured and wounded and then go to work on Ricochet, right? And and kind of the idea is we're going to take out one member of each one of these teams, which will give us a better chance. They need to be working through strategy in this match. This was a sprint, 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 catch a guy with a move and pin. Everybody was going full speed the entire time. 
it was fine for what it was. I get that. It, it's just that's not my cup of tea for tag team wrestling. It might be yours, but at the same time, it's only ten minutes and it doesn't get over the division, in my opinion. No. Good win for the Revival, but again, I thought the more interesting and more meaningful person to pin in this match would have been either Ricochet or Aleister Black. They weren't going to do that. I understand why they don't want to do that. Yeah, I, I get why they don't want to do that, but I, I, you know, they have enough things going on that losing right here when they have storylines going on Raw, SmackDown, and NXT respectively, I, I don't think it would have hurt them. You know what? One other piece of news that we didn't bring up up top, but... Also, uh, starting at the WWE Performance Center this week, as a manager, allegedly, I believe, Stokely Hathaway. I am in for this. I want him to be the Revival's manager. If he is there to be a manager, let him manage on the main roster the best tag team that needs a kind of a mouthpiece edge to him. I am, I am happy for that. Stokely is phenomenal if you've never seen his work managing he is absolutely great and dash and dawson are good enough talkers that if they have a really good talker to play off of they'll be very very effective yes so up next we have the united states champion samoa joe facing r-truth andrade not andrade cn almost anymore and zelina no longer zelina vega with Rey Mysterio also in the match. And Samoa Joe comes out of this with a big W. I thought that was good for him. And I like this match okay, but but this pairing, there was just a little too much. I think Samoa Joe would have been better off in just a straight-up triple threat. The fourth person didn't help. I think it would have been fine in a one-on-one match as well. But my problem, my only issue with this was we just saw this on the previous Tuesday. Yeah. Most of it. I mean, look, they pulled out some different moves. Our truth is is defying Father Time, and I got no problem with him. He holds his own in these matches. Um, I thought the the double Hurricanrana spot was awesome, but I had just seen this four way, and it looks like we're just going to keep on running it with these four without real storytelling. It's just in the ring stuff, and then moving on. Again. (laughs) And kind of a noncommittal approach to Samoa Joe. He's clearly a heel because he's going to be part of the gauntlet next week, but the crowd likes him and wants to cheer him as a babyface. He was great. and He also had a bit of something to do on the pre-show because Zelina goes and confronts Carmella, who is trying to get people to sign a petition for R-Truth to have a rematch because there are no more automatic rematches. And he comes in as charming Samoa Joe. Hello, ladies. You know what? I'll put, you know, as opposed to menacing Samoa Joe, and he is phenomenal in both. That's that's what I love about Samoa Joe on promos. He is obviously the best. He rises above the material in, in this company. So up next, we have Billy and Sasha Banks facing Nia Jax and Tamina. Um, so a lot of times we've been saying so far that the the problem has been at the tail end of the match here. Uh, In this match, at least for me, the problem was very much during the match. Nia Jax is is still pretty rough. Uh, I I don't know if slash when it will tighten up, but uh, this this was not a tight outing at all. Nia Jax looked bad throughout this match. Um, I put part of the blame on her. I put part of the blame on 
as we were talking about in the Revival tag team match, they just need to do a straight tag match where they're beating on someone and then you get a hot tag. Yeah. Bailey was an absolute... overthinking with the offense from Nia and Tamina. There's there's too many convoluted spots that expect Tamina and Nia to defy physics at times and not necessarily have the strength to stop a flying human being, even one as tiny as Sasha down there. Um, Bailey was an absolute saint during this match. I thought she looked great in the midst of this chaos that was happening as the match was falling apart. After the match, there is a beatdown segment involving Beth Phoenix, and then Natalia runs down to make the save, and then she also gets beat down. Beth Phoenix, she still looks to be in pretty great shape. Yeah. No, I... My issue was ring rust with her. I mean, if, if we're going to put her in a match with Natty, it looks like it's going to be a multi-tag with these three teams and probably the Iconics, who <laughs> Billy Kay is one of the better promos They're in the women's super division. Super entertaining, but she's um, also not necessarily a razzle-dazzler right. in the ring. This is not what they want for the... This is not what the people holding the women's tag team titles want to get the match over. They want a great match, but I think they're going to have a gauntlet or a multi-team type thing. I wouldn't be surprised if Trish and Lita are involved somehow. But yeah, no, Beth Phoenix is back. The problem was, she, with the heels she was wearing, she dwarfed Tamina and was almost as big as Nia Jax, which I'm just like, okay, that's uh, that's an interesting um, staging. But uh, I, I thought that I thought the beatdown afterwards looked pretty darn rough and uh, did its job. And then, you know, you had furtherance of the story between Bailey and Sasha jumping Nia and Tamina after uh, or on Raw. I so. liked that little moment backstage that kind of came out of nowhere that felt chaotic and felt a little old school. Although then I started to realize that that meant we're building to a multi-team match, that we weren't just having that as a spot. Well, it also meant that the baby faces were acting a bit heelish. Yeah, but Nia and Tamina have been sort of courting this for a minute. Oh, yeah. also, that happened on Raw. Uh, Lacey Evans had a little square off with Nia Jax there for a second. <laughs> Is Lacey Evans yeah. now a heel again after, you know, talking uh, to the hand with uh, Renee at the announce table? I think she's just sassy. Oh, that's being sassy? Yeah. Yeah, as we discussed, being a sassy Southern Belle is basically quintessential heel stuff. It's very weird. Um, and then we get to our WWE Championship match. Daniel Bryan versus Kevin Owens and Mustafa Ali. Poor Mustafa Ali, man. Uh, just really put into a death spot here and, and did what he could. But the crowd, they wanted Kofi. This was a poorly thought out idea, in my opinion. They thought that... Mustafa Ali getting put in this match would help quell some of the Kofi chants because people had given him some goodwill in this bit. He in, looks in this like build. a Kofi proxy, though. He was a Kofi proxy. I know, I mean, but he looks like, I mean, like if you were going to replace Kofi Kingston with a wrestler that is very similar to Kofi Kingston, Mustafa Ali is a very good pick on the roster. Making him a surprise was also a bad move. This needed a vignette. That's true. There could be a way to get the crowd on board with Mustafa getting a chance here tonight. But the problem is, he's a good guy, and he's getting a good opportunity, and how can that come from the poisonous tree of Vince McMahon? 
Yeah, they 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 had an uphill climb. They won the crowd about halfway through the match. Um, People were buying into babyface Kevin Owens slowly. They're nibbling. They're nibbling. Yeah, the 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 thing is, he's a proxy, and they they got it back going about halfway through the match. You had the uh, you know the 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 four fifty on the apron. Kevin Owens almost killed himself on the Somerset plancha. I mean, if you if plancha, if you saw his head, I mean, it almost grazed the corner of the broadcast table. I mean, they with the work rate they got him over, but you don't put, you know, this would have been more effective if Rowan had been inserted as the third man in the match, and it was effectively a handicap match, but presented yeah. as still a triple threat. And Kevin Owens has to try to overcome the odds against those two. Yeah, you could have had that. I mean, it. Between this and the match tonight where Mustafa Ali just gets killed, I I think he's been faded a bit. Yeah, I He I, feels I agree. cold. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely well and, and now that he's getting comped to Kofi Kingston, that's not helpful in this particular moment. Well, I thought you could have done something where you build him up for Joe for a one on one match because that was the story before he got hurt. But I'm I'm like I'm like, well, it's going to be so much harder now to heat him back up when you want to heat him back up. Yeah, I, I mean, eventually they might revisit that Joe angle, but it won't be the same as when he first came up and there was really starting to be some goodwill fostered with the audience. Yeah, no, this was a fun, enjoyable match. It just, it just, it, it felt weird because of the Mustafa Ali insertion, and it's like it kept me from believing this, that anything significant was going to happen here in this match. Right. Right, and and this crowd just absolutely crapped on. They should have probably just kept it as Kevin Owens versus Daniel Bryan. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And then we had Becky Lynch getting a pivotal victory over Charlotte Flair by disqualification. They had a match. It was kind of a silly match because Becky's on one leg and Charlotte doesn't want to just go for the win, even though she should go for the win, so it made her look kind of stupid. I guess you could say it kind of makes her look arrogant, but the stupid-arrogant ratio was was in full effect here in a serious way. And then, at the tail end of the match, as Becky's about to lose the match, Ronda Rousey comes down and does the finger poke of doom circa 2019 by hitting Becky one time on the chest. <laughs> As I said with my good and bad and the ugly uh, storyline, you had the story. Even with Charlotte's insertion, you had the story. It was going to be Becky overcoming the odds, winning the Rumble against Ronda Rousey, baddest woman on the planet. You had it. And then you had to add in all these obstacles for her to get through. And Becky Lynch is now the weakest person of the three after Fastlane. She's the promo she, did a she lot did for tonight, herself. Uh, no, was, that did a hell of a lot. That for her helped, tonight. but it also sort of was a painful recap of how silly this angle has been. She's been suspended, unsuspended, arrested. Um, she's now had her leg injured. I mean, we, we've taken many twists and many turns along this journey here. Yeah, but you know what? She came off as so likable in that promo because it felt like she was actually not speaking scripted lines unlike Rhonda's promo from monday i'm gonna which, desecrate your church jeff yes your place of you worship this ring i'm gonna desecrate your sanctuary that is something that somebody writes when they tell you write a wrestling promo that's right a wrestling promo uh, when you're 14 though yeah and you're trying to be the undertaker but you're and like you a knockoff undertaker you know what it is it's write a wrestling promo 
but you don't watch professional wrestling, really, or you just know it from or WWE. Or you think that wrestling is characters like the Bone Lord or something like that? Yeah, it's campy. Oh, wrestling's campy? I'm going to write a campy promo full of $4 words that I can't say, and, you know, I'm going to desecrate and... And what's the other, decimate, and it's like, oh, okay. You will be obliterated. Yeah, it, it's model, it's bad guy monologuing. That's what it is. It, it's cape stuff, you know, from The Incredibles. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give this monologue in front of my giant laser before I shoot you right now. You know, it's, it's, I, I liked the touch of her saying I could take on Becky and Charlotte by myself. I was like, great, make it a handicap match. I'm fine with that. <laughs> I just it, it it she just comes off as so supremely not good. It, it's, that it's call by a, Renee didn't help right after Rhonda punched Becky, where she's like, Rhonda's writing her own story and she's making her own rules. I'm like, no, 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 no. Uh, we, it's all oh, so much. Look, you know what? She she could have just brought out the script. Yeah, like right. like a WCW Jeff Jarrett type thing. See, it says in the script here, I'm supposed to attack Becky. It's like, oh god, I this broke. I mean, between this and and the so, cause they think everybody's following the social media part of it. And I got news for you. It, this is true in, in your other love of politics. About ten percent of the people see anything going on in a given day on Twitter. Right. Right, yeah, that that's the intense fan base for most things. Actually, I I I've been looking at this deeper. I I don't want to get lost in the weeds, but yeah, it's about ten to fifteen percent. Everyone else is kind of a lesser level of engagement, and also I don't know that I really buy that. Um, the social media interactions were all part of this clever storyline and this three D chess move by Becky. Yeah. I, that- <laughs> Oh, this was my plan all along. Yeah, and you right. fell for it. It was a plan all along. <laughs> I was, I was, I was gonna get cleared medically despite having a broken leg, and then I was just gonna screw with you until I knew you were gonna come down there and beat me up. But you know what? I knew you were only gonna come down and beat me up after right as my I was on the cusp of losing that destroyed. match. Destroyed. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm just like, all right, look, I, I can't. I thought I'd have the I best chance for WrestleMania by letting my leg yeah. get beaten up a whole bunch throughout a match before I finally come out the winner. <laughs> okay. Good plan. Brilliant plan there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The man. Nice job, Kaiser Soze. You know? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, this would have been so much better being a one-on-one build and so much simpler, but it, it's now with, with Ronda trying to, I mean, from going from smiling and happy to frowny to I was faking that happiness all along. I don't care about... Look, I can believe she's mad about the Los Angeles reaction, I was there. I was, like, surprised by the reaction in Los Angeles when they booed her. Um, But now it just, it's all so... <laughs> it's, it's hitting you with the clue by four. Look, I'm a bad guy now, and I don't really like wrestling, and you're supposed to hate me because I'm insulting the thing you love most. But it's more than that. It, it's that this is all an act. It's, it's someone in Star Wars, like Grand Moff Tarkin commenting to Vader, oh yeah, you can do the force choke thing to me, but this is all just a fake movie. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's commenting on the thing as it's going on. And then on Raw, just to prove how bad, <laughs> just to prove how bad Ronda Rousey is, they send out Dana Brooke. 
I got nothing against Dana Brooke. She was put into this roster far too quick to be paired with Emma. And you know what, Chris? If this was someone who had been on the roster for years or decades and had earned a bit of goodwill, even if she was a heel like, say, a Mickey James, I'd have felt sorry for her. But Dana Brooke comes out here not more than a month after going through two face-and-heel turns in consecutive weeks over a three-week period and gives this heartfelt, I love my job so much, promo. I just want a chance, and more importantly, Jeff, I'm here for a fight. I'm here for a fight. I have come down mentally prepared for a physical ordeal. Let's do this right now. Oh, God, stop, please. No, no, no more. Oh, please stop. And they think the reaction is going to be, yes, I'm getting behind this underdog. And no, the reaction is, you're Don Quixote fighting you windmills. Yeah, you had no you chance. Dummy. Yeah, that's the perception you of Dana dope. Brooks. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to watch you get destroyed. This will be fun. You know, you idiot. You you, you del- delusional No, this fool. is Heath Slater going up to Brock Lesnar and saying, I've been in this company for months or years, and I want my chance, and I'm here to fight you right now, Brock Lesnar. I'm going to fight you. And you don't feel like Heath Slater is being courageous. You think that Heath Slater's being a moron. Yeah, this is Kurt Hawkins challenging Brock Lesnar. Sure. And, and the, and the commentary team putting over, well, this might be the night the streak's broken. It's like, no, nobody, nobody has bought in for a second because you haven't earned that goodwill. You didn't earn this story with Dana. And then you throw her out there and you expect her to get sympathy and everybody's just, and this she crowd got nothing appropriately. in that exchange. I mean, that's the worst part is how is she going to get sympathy when she's just getting her hat handed to her? And here's the thing. She had a pretty good acting job on this. That's that's the thing that kills me. It was a a pretty well executed promo to get the reaction you wanted. The problem was that the character hadn't built up enough goodwill to get the reaction. That's the you wrong wanted. character. It's just all it yeah. is. I mean, it's the right words in the wrong person's mouth, so you don't get the right reaction. Now you were watching this with non WWE fans. Mm-hmm. Well, or like non, you know, get on Twitter and follow it every minute right. of every day types. Non, non obsessive, non, you know. They're not, not going to be on many, message boards. There's not six million. She's, they're not one of those six million podcasts that, you know. They don't have any podcasts. Suck. They catch yeah. raw every so often and usually catch the pay per views. And what did they think of this? They actually were mildly excited for Dana Brooke, and they thought that this helped her, but they also thought that maybe this was the start of something for Dana Brooke, to which I poured some cold... Yeah, I, I poured some cold water on that. I was like, I don't think this is the start of anything for Dana Brooke. <laughs> oh, God. God bless casual fans. I, I, I feel bad for optimism. Dana Brooke. I know. I, I miss the optimism. So I, so They say things, and I'm like, I want it to be like that. Yes. <laughs> it's like I'll have friends text me occasionally, like I had one... When Mustafa Ali came out, they go, do you think that Mustafa, they may put the title on Mustafa just to give him, you know, just to have him, no, no, don't do that to yourself. Don't, I care about you. Don't. Yeah. Don't do that. This is just going to hurt you. I I don't want to see that. Go with your most cynical expectations. And then if they're defied, 
you go, oh, that wasn't that bad. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 once I did that, once I recalibrated and set the bar lower, sometimes my expectations are exceeded, and that's pleasant. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes if you're not expecting a well thought out storyline and you get a good match, you go, okay, that wasn't that bad. And it's kind of the story of this card. Yeah. I, there's actually a lot of, I know we're talking about the story part of it. There was a lot of wrestling on this card that I that rather was really enjoyed. Good. Yeah. Um, I, and I was starting to fade. A, yeah, I was starting to fade a little bit by the time we got to this main event. And I think some of the crowd was a little bit, but this is a good match. This was a love. This was a love letter to the Shield. Yeah, it and sure was. It, and it's and it's what the crowd wanted. They crowd. They 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 did you know three on one beatdowns by the Shield, which were their bread and butter when they first came in. They got all the ooh, you know, all the all the three man power bomb stuff. They got plenty of Superman punches and a drive by. They got signature spots that were only in the tag team matches that didn't last into their singles careers. So you know, like uh, yeah. the rope drape clothesline thing that Dean Ambrose used to do that we got a little tired of. He brought that back for one night, and that was nice. They they got they got Ambrose getting his butt kicked, which was always the move in these matches because once. <laughs> <laughs> once Seth became the high flyer and once Roman became, you know, the superstar, Dean's the guy getting heat. And I just wanted that one moment where he goes, this was so not worth it. <laughs> but um, the only thing that, that I had any concern about was that uh, dive spot by Seth, because I just I watched the WrestleMania main event going away just for a split second when he jumped off on for the dive off of the uh, railing in the arena and i could just see him getting injured and going well we're gonna get roman and brock but luckily that didn't happen no no um i like the follow-up to the next night here but yeah the tail end of this match i i loved the methodical stalking of all three of these people baron corbin Great job selling at the tail end of this match, right? Like, like the the triple powerbomb shot with Corbin wouldn't have worked nearly as good if he didn't <laughs> oh. have that panicked animal look on his face. My favorite moment was obviously there was some miscommunication there where um, Corbin's going to do that boss man thing where he slides out of the ring and then jumps back in. Yes. Yeah. And he literally runs through a foot. He <laughs> runs through a boot to the face. I love that they sold that on commentary. That was so funny. Where they're like, I can't believe he just kept going. I'm like, yeah, me me neither. Yeah, and, and the follow-up wasn't bad. You know, it's it's weird because Dean basically got retconned into old Dean again, and that's fine. I mean, he was going to be the sacrificial lamb, and I thought it helped build up Drew a bit. Yeah, is he done-done? Was this us writing off Dean? Because if it was, I was fine with that. Yeah. Yeah, I was fine with I thought maybe he would be Roman's opponent at Mania, but it looks like, yeah, they sacrifice him. He might be in like a he, he might be in like the Battle Royal or something, but this felt like they were writing off the character. Yeah, yeah, but I, I liked that match, man. I, I thought Dean showed good fire throughout. And Drew McIntyre is such a great, intense merciless heel. He really has a merciless quality about him that uh, a lot of other characters don't. We have a new Intercontinental Champion. We sure do. Lashley. 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 Come on, Jeff. No? Oh, my goodness. I... I understand why they do these things. Because they want, they want the title on a big, strong boy going in. And then everybody's going to have to fight through him. But come on with this referee not being able to 
throw Leo Rush out of the match. Yeah, right. And like you know, stopping being... the match momentarily to kind of regain control of the match, tossing Leo Rush. I mean, yeah, there there's a bunch of stuff in this that I thought was goofy. I mean, the big thing is that Leo Rush, yeah, okay, now he seems like a man with a plan, but that happens all at the expense of Finn Balor, who looks like a real goof. Exactly. And what they did afterwards was on on social media only. They played up dissension between Lashley and Leo Again? a bit. I thought that was supposed uh, to as, fix everything. Well, the, him winning the title was supposed to fix everything, but now Lashley owes Leo. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, so I'm now Leo like, oh. wants the title? I think we're getting a multi-man ladder match. Oh, boy. Okay. That makes and sense. And I think this is supposed to set it up because we always have to have one. One car crash where everybody ends and up killing And it's going to be for the Intercontinental title, of course. An Intercontinental ladder match at WrestleMania. Look, it, it got Zack Ryder over. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it sure, who, who, who could forget? Oh, I, wanted that one to mar- I wanted that one to marinate a bit, damn you. <laughs> I, was, I think I was, I was at that mania. Yeah. Yeah, that was the one, that in, was Dallas. The one in Dallas. Yeah, I was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, who could forget? So was I. Who could forget? That that great one day run where he lost it because Maurice interfered on behalf of the Miz the next day. Other than that, uh, Shelton Benjamin now I guess is on Raw. Uh, nice job not connecting him to Brock Lesnar in a more direct way. It, I, it would have been a yeah. fine pull uh, to say that Benjamin's here to kind of step up for his buddy or kind of you know be there as the hired gun for his buddy, but we we didn't really get that through line. He was just a proxy. No, Heyman just mentioned it offhand. Oh, he was his coach at the University of Minnesota and helped him break into the business. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. You got to connect. That's his reason for being here right now. You got to connect those dots for people who don't know why Shelton Benjamin's in the ring right now. You know, they used to be tag team partners. They're really great friends. You know, he's 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 Brock's proxy right now. He's a merc. You know what you can do? The bounty angle. They haven't done a bounty angle in WWE in years. Heyman's put a bounty on him, so all of Brock's friends are coming out of the woodwork, like Harley Race versus Flair, and when Dick Slater and Bob Orton tried to cash in on him. No, Shelton's the type of guy who would go after a bounty. So, yeah, do that. Do something to get Shelton a little bit more of a shine here, because otherwise everybody's going, oh, it's that geek who always loses on SmackDown. Yeah, what is this guy's purpose? And the answer is, there is none. He's just here. He's just attacking Seth Rollins for no reason. Okay. He's a plot device. And I liked the uh, Kurt Angle uh, Apollo Crews thing. I, I, I thought that too. was nice. I, I thought that was nice. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to hate on that. I, I thought that was nice. Uh, I'm super nice excited little... about Alexa Bliss as the host of WrestleMania. Boy. Oh, wait. Babyface versus babyface on on that match. Uh, nice touch so that nobody had to boo and nobody had to get heat. It was just, hey, two guys, who's the better man? Oh yes, Alexa Bliss, the host. I, I, I don't know. This host thing does nothing for anybody who ends up doing it, which is oh, funny. Uh, let me tell you about a little celebrity known as Kim Kardashian. Yeah. Well, here here's the other thing that 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 gets me is all of Alexa Bliss's social media and stuff over the week has her at the PC training with Mike Quackenbush and thanking him profusely for all the tips he's given her on her comeback, and she's cleared to return. And I <laughs> I think the... 
I, I'm I'm torn between whether or not they still see her as a full time performer or as just, you know, a sex pot talk show host and thinking that this is going to be the way that they get her into a program with Asuka and switch her onto the SmackDown roster. Interesting. Yeah, I do see her coming back at some point, but Or Becky. Yeah. But I'm not sure. She is getting more and more comfortable with the microphone every week. She's she's a very natural speaker now. She's she's great. They they don't give her a lot to work with, but she's great. But it's like I, I and I like you know the reveal you can see coming a mile away. It's just one of those things where you wonder sometimes. Okay, they've had her doing this for a while. Or is she ever going to get back and compete? Another person I'm wondering. Yeah, what about Braun Strowman? Speaking of people where I'm not really sure what they see in Braun Strowman at this point, I am so confused. If you had asked me a year ago, I would have said Braun Strowman was kind of the future face of this company, at least for you know a while in the absence of Roman Reigns. Now he is like mid card comedy. Chris, you you make oh that I would have had to put this on the uh, on the cleanup if we didn't talk about now. This time last year. Braun Strowman was teasing a mystery partner for WrestleMania that turned out to be John Cone's son, Nicholas. I think there's a chance that he and Colin Jost win the tag team titles at this year's WrestleMania. That entire sketch was to sell toys through an email blast. Did you see this? No, but I, I did hear about the fact that like that car was apparently like an exact replica of the car that you can buy in this new toy thing that they're making. Yes, with a very happy-looking Braun Strowman. Huh. So I'm guessing we're, the co- bad comedy sketches on WrestleMania will be Braun and Colin Jost somehow having tension and probably making up and probably having a moment and probably beating the revival at this point. I'm... I, I, I'm just amazed at how two years ago we thought this guy, we thought Vince had fallen in love with this guy and he was going to be money. And you could see why, too. The guy's not a bad wrestler. He really isn't. But then he gets put into the giant paradigm where it's like, well, we can't do him here uh, because we'd ruin his heat and we can't do him here. So we need to find stuff for him to do to be on TV. And we're not really willing to do the long methodical title reign build that you need to do with a giant character because we want to have Brock Lesnar in the mix. I mean, Braun Strowman, maybe more than anyone on this roster has been a real casualty of the continued hanging around of Brock Lesnar on this roster as the champion. Well, it- well, remember they 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 had him as part of that stable with Dolph and Drew, and then they turned him out of the blue because they had lost Roman. Right. And then and then he just kind of got lost, and now he comes out and he says, "Get these hands," and that's about it. Yeah, I'm 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 flummoxed as to, you know, is there a story you can build with a long build because he's already faced everybody. I, I I just think you need some sort of reboot on him. Yeah, I, I he needs to maybe even go away for a while and then come yeah. back and be a wrecking ball forced to be reckoned with, just messing up everything, maybe even have him pop up on NXT for like a week and a half. Uh, you know, just slowly make a tear all through the WWE universe and come back because right, right now he's stuck in a holding pattern. And it is the it's agent very of much chaos. A, He'll just... Yeah. 
go from show to show. <laughs> yeah, no, that'd be good though because I, he, he is large, and so that does create some limitations as to what he can do. Otherwise, you're just tossing over cars every week, and then it kind of feels like a knockoff of Street Fighter Two Turbo, the little bonus stage. If this week proved anything, it proves that we who deconstruct this stuff a little bit too much can write stories in our head that make decisions that they're not putting that much depth into make sense. It, it's so weird to me to to talk wrestling with people and they're they're just going, "No, you could do this, this and this and it'll be great." And I'm like, they're not they're not thinking about that. It, it was a little frustrating. But we have NXT 205 Live and NXT UK coming up, so that should be a much more happier show, Chris. Yeah, it usually is. I feel like we, we de-stress and we come back fresher on Thursdays and in a little bit better mood, a little bit lighter. You know, Three hours and 41 minutes of fast lane plus three hours of Raw plus two hours of SmackDown is a lot of watching, a lot of television. But if you can't get enough Shake Them Ropes, you know what you can do, Jeff. Uh, what? Do tell. You, you can sign up for the Patreon. We got one of those. So you go to patreon.com slash shake them ropes. We have bonus episodes up there. We're going to do another watch along here. Uh, you guys seem to appreciate those, and, and we like doing those, and those are kind of easy to do. Although I would like to do another researchy, in-depth episode like the Andy Kaufman one somewhere down the line here. But uh, sign up, patreon.com slash shake them ropes. Uh, kick us some money. That helps. Every dollar helps. You can find me on Twitter at C-H-R-I-S-N-O-V-E-M-B-R-I-N-O. You can find Jeff at C-A-R-A-P. G-A-M-E-13. I can spell. Don't laugh at me. I'm good at spelling. And the show... You just called me Carp... Hold on. You just called me Carp Game 13. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. And Carp Game. <laughs> and, and at Shake Them Ropes is the other thing. Voice of the Wrestling the Podcasting Network. Is there anything else, Jeff? We'll just let that marinate. Okay. Carp 